Blog Talk Radio. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the Screen Picks Movie Podcast. I'm your host, Kit Bowen. We've got a good show for you today. We're going to talk about three movies that are opening streaming this weekend, plus two documentaries that uh, are also opening this weekend. Um, and uh, some really good, some good stuff this this week. I think uh, joining me is my very good friend Joel Amos of themoviematch.com. How are you doing today, Joel? Joel, Joel. Um, very well, <laughs> very well. I got I think three movies this week. I gave A's to, so it is a very Ooh, good week. It's a good week. Um, well, we're gonna we're gonna jump off and start and talk about the one that's probably not gonna be the the biggest hit of the weekend. Uh, I got a kid to see it, but you haven't yet. The Hitman's Wife's Bodyguard, which is a sequel to The Hitman's Bodyguard, which came out a few years ago and was kind of a surprise action hit, starring Ryan Reynolds, um, Samuel L. Jackson, and now Salma Hayek, who, of course, was in the first one as well, but now this is sort of more focused on her. Let me read the description here. The Bodyguard, Michael Bryce continues his friendship with assassin Darius Kincaid as they try to save Darius's wife, Sonia. Well, I guess that's kind of how what it's about. <laughs> um, it also stars um, Antonio Banderas uh, and, uh, oh, and Morgan Freeman, actually, and Gary Oldman. All of these people are in it as well. Um, I, you know, it's, <laughs> I mean, I kind of had fun with the first one. I, I think like I said, it was sort of a surprise hit, although it didn't necessarily get critical, you know, critically it didn't get like a ton of accolades, but I think most people found it fun enough um, to, uh, you know, to, to enjoy themselves. Uh, certainly the, the fun camaraderie between, or I should say banter between uh, Ryan Reynolds and Samuel Jackson completely made the movie. And then you throw Salma Hayek in there as, as Samuel Jackson's wife, <laughs> just this crazy, you know, Latina, just, you know, loving her man and, and everything. And they're like always making out and having sex all over the place and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, and Ryan Reynolds plays this sort of on the up and up, uh, hit ma- or, uh, bodyguard who, you know, I guess there's this triple a bodyguard, uh, community society or whatever of, of bodyguards. And you kind of, you know, you aspire to become the top of the list and they have awards. Anyway, uh, continuing on that theme, um, at the end of the first one, uh, Ryan Reynolds' character loses his, you know, bodyguard license, I guess, and is, you know, sort of in dire straits and spiraling out of control because it's been his whole life and it's something he prides himself on. And, of course, you know, situations start to happen and, and he gets he gets involved with these two again, even though he doesn't really want to. But come to find out, you know, of course, that they all actually really do like each other at, at some point in time. <laughs> um, you know, like, I had fun with this one, too. It's certainly not as, as much fun as the first one, only because, you know, we've already seen these characters, and I don't think they really do anything different to uh, to make them even better this time around. But still, you know, Ryan Reynolds could, could like like we've talked about, could read the phone book and I'd laugh. He just makes me laugh. <laughs> very funny in this you know especially the fact that he's obsessed with trying to get his license back and he you know talks to anyone and everyone about it and um Mm -hmm. you know and (laughs) 
you know, that's that's kind of fun. And then, of course, Salma Hayek is, you know, even more over the top this time around. And now they're trying to have a baby. And I think what really kind of, you know, makes this just almost too silly for words is sort of the, the, the conflict that happens with the, you know, Antonio Banderas plays this Greek tycoon type person who wants to, you know, rule the world, kind of wants to make Greece be the top of the food chain again in the world and uh, the center and whatnot. And it's just this kind of a really, really dumb kind of uh, mission that they go on. And I guess you really aren't watching it just, you know, for that time. You're not watching it for story, which I'm totally fine with. Sometimes... You know, it doesn't matter at all. Uh, other times, it can be so bad that it just takes away from the movie completely, like a movie that's coming up that we'll talk about, but I won't mention it here. Um, but this one, I, you know, I continue to have fun with them. I thought the characters were, you know, were, were they, they, the banter is just the best part about it. And, of course, the action was good, too. There's some, some pretty good action sequences, uh, car chases and whatnot. So, you know, that always throw that, you pepper that in with, with some fun banter, then you've got a pretty fun movie, but it's, it's definitely, I have a feeling at this point it might end the uh, franchise. So we'll see. We'll see. We'll see how much it does, you know, box office wise, but I I don't think it's going to do all that great. (laughs) Yeah. Did you, I mean, were you intrigued by by the trailer? Well, I gotta be—I gotta be honest. When that first trailer appeared months ago, I, I was shocked. I mean, if there was a movie that that didn't scream sequel, it was The Hitman's Bodyguard. I mean, Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> Sam Jackson, and and a little bit some Hank. I mean, the chemistry is off the charts, and I can see right. why uh, producers in the studio were like, "We got to do this again." And you know, it's a shot in the dark. Sometimes sequels are much better than the original and surprise everybody. Um, but I have heard nothing yeah. but negative things about this. I've heard the word stupid used many times to describe this movie. Um, yeah. And, 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 yeah, Ryan Reynolds, he not only is he funny and his timing comically is incredible, he, he's got this double-barreled thing that, that makes him irresistible, I think. And he's just got cinematic charm. And mm-hmm. you can't teach that. You can't learn that. You either have it or you don't. And so I, I think, you know, that's why we, we keep with him. And, and we got a, a movie coming up soon. Um, Guy, I think it's called. It, it's just free, about him being free in a guy. video. Free, free Guy. Free Guy, yeah. That and, was and that, really good. That yeah. has him written all over it. Um, but, yeah, I, I, I kind of like the first one. I absolutely been waiting for somebody to put the song Black Betty in an action sequence in a movie, and they did that in that movie, and I was just like, <laughs> dance, I was dancing in my seat. I'm like, you get an extra star for that. But like I, this time from that first trailer, I just there there's there's no urge to see it. There's just none. Yeah, I know. Like I said, it's 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 okay. It's not. It's not horrible, and, and like I said, I've had fun in a lot of parts of it, but it is pretty stupid. I will agree with, with others who said that. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it, it's just just not, yeah. <laughs> but stupid. still, like I said, they're fun characters. They're stupid, but it's fun. It's okay. I mean, I would probably give it two and a half stars, you know, a half a star maybe for Ryan Reynolds, <laughs> just because it's Ryan Reynolds. Um I mean, you know, he's just, he can deliver a line like nobody else, you know, nope. like, and he's, he's actually like that in real life too. I mean, I've done many yeah. interviews with him or been in the same room and he's just like that. 
Funny yep. man. Funny man. Yes. All right. So, He's yeah, two and a half stars. <laughs> He's a treasure. Keep him around. We'll keep him, we'll keep him around. Um, Kids got okay, a future. So, moving on, we're going to talk about... We're going to talk about a new Pixar movie, which, you know, I think uh, through the pandemic, um, I think it kind of got lost in the shuffle a little bit. I mean, I mean, I saw some some promos for it, of course, you know, last year and whatnot. But I, I, uh, I don't know. I feel like this one was kind of not as heavily promoted as other Pixar movies. I could be wrong, but uh, I just felt like kind of got a little little bit shafted on it, and it shouldn't have. It's a pretty good movie. Um, it's a, uh, let me read the description on the Italian Riviera an unlikely, but strong friendship grows between a human being and a sea monster disguised as a human. <laughs> That's kind of very mm. general about this movie. Very general, but, and, uh, the most yeah, talented... and it's wrong. Right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> are, that's not monsters. right, is it? Two sea that's monsters. wrong. Well, I think they're talking about the girl. Yeah. So the but, girl becomes okay. friends with the two sea monsters. Maybe. Right, I don't right. know. Anyway. Anyway. There's a girl in it. She's not a sea monster. <laughs> Just, I'm not. It's no spoiler. She's in the poster. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> the vocal talent includes uh, Jacob Trumbly as Luca. Uh, Jack Dylan Grazer as his uh, sea monster friend Alberto. Um, Emma Berman, who, who plays Julie, Ju, Julia, I think that's her name. But there's a great sort of supporting cast as, as the adult, and I'm putting, I'm using air quotes, adult characters. There's Maya Rudolph, uh, Jim Gaffigan, um, Sandy Martin, uh, Sasha Baron Cohen for a brief moment. It was very funny. Um, but yeah, some some good vocal talent behind this one, and visually, I'm I'm really incredible. But I'll let you start us off. What did you think of Luca? Luca, um, absolutely, I I loved it. I really loved it. I mean, there's this thing really. They they there's something in the water up there in Emeryville, California, with Pixar because <laughs> even even an average movie is still will warm your heart. And this is an average. I think mm-hmm. this is way above average. And I just loved the chemistry between the two boys. And is there nothing Jacob Tremblay can do? I mean, this kid is so young. I mean, in Room, I thought he should have been nominated with Bree. I thought he probably oh should have even yeah. won. Like, but so now he's, what, four or five, six years older. He, he's still got that boyish charm, and he just... He brings that wonder to, to Luca that is exactly what you need. And I just thought he was outstanding. I thought it was beautiful to look at. Um, I watched it with my daughter, um, and I wasn't sure she would like it because, honestly, she does not like right now. She does not like movies <laughs> where boys are in the lead because boys are gross. Mm. Um, but wow. she loved this movie. She wants to see it again this weekend. <laughs> I mean, and I think that says a lot. You know, that, 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 that a, a girl who only likes girl movies is really into a movie that has two male uh, leads. And I just thought it it, it was tight. It, it came in at right the, the, the right times. The beats were nice. Um, I, I'm i kind of puzzled by this. I kind of had an Italian accent there for a second. Um, uh, I'm kind of puzzled. <laughs> I'm kind of puzzled. <laughs> I, I think this should have be open in the theaters. I think this should have been one of those open in theaters and on Disney Plus at the same time, because I think there are a lot of people going back to the theaters. I think there are kids 
that would love to see this on the big screen. I think parents have been waiting to take their kids somewhere. Um, and now that it's safer, I just, I think Disney and, and others maybe didn't know what the future hold and just committed to Disney plus. And it's great. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, more people can see it, but I, it, I would love to see these colors and the, this mm-hmm. beautiful palette that they painted up on the big screen. Um, and I just, I thought it was filled with all those tender moments. And one thing I also like about Pixar animated movies, they're unpredictable. Like you always know there's going to be a conflict. There always is in a movie. You have to have one from the second act to the third act. It's like a rule. But I didn't see it coming. I didn't know what it was going to be. I mean, and I, I got to commend them because I just, I got in and I just went for a ride with this movie. And I just, I really loved it. You know, I did too. I, I, I really liked it too. And, and um, you know, again, like you said, Pixar is just, I just I, I don't know what it is. They just I, you know I I know I've heard and said this many many times, but it's always true is that they care most about um, you know story. That's that's where they mm-hmm. start. They don't start with the character. They don't start with the place. They don't start with you know whatever. They they start with with a good story and then they they expound on that. And uh, you know this is a very sweet story. Very you know. Again, very uh, uh, not relevant, but uh, you know, and, and kids will recognize themselves. You know, some of them maybe ones who want to branch out, ones who have adventure in their lives. You know, or or, or love about learning or things like that. Because I mean, the the little girl character that they meet on mm-hmm. in this little Italian village. You know, she's she's kind of like a Hermione. She's very smart and. And very determined and ambitious, and you know, and that's 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 probably why Bella liked it because it had a really good, strong female character in it. Yeah, um, true. Uh, but you know, and it's about family, of course, and and or lack thereof, and uh, it's just you know, all of those things make a really good movie. It doesn't matter what setting you put it in, it's a really good movie, so long as it's written well. Um, and I would definitely, you know, like you said, I just, even an average Pixar movie uh, is, is never average, you know. Uh, I would say that this is in the middle of their, you know, for me, it's kind of in the middle as far as my favorites because there's just so many. But, um, yeah. you know, it's, it's, definitely, uh, it's definitely worth watching with your kids because there's just so much fun and so much things to look at. And here's the thing that I find Pixar is doing more and more is they're they're targeting um, or Disney in general I should say they're targeting geographic areas. Don't you find that that's kind of the other new thing that Pixar does? It's like um, I guess it's, they've been doing it all along. I mean, you've got Under the Sea with uh, with Nemo, and you've got I don't know what you have with Up, but <laughs> anyway, you know, with with Coco you had. The, the Latin culture and the, you know, the Day of the Dead culture and with um, Brave, you have the Scottish culture. And now here you have the Italian culture. And uh, I love that part of it. I really did. Uh, I just, I enjoyed, you know, it's just a small fishing village and, you know, on a, I'm sure on a beautiful Italian coast there. And uh, I just, I, I liked how they incorporate the culture uh, into these films. And I definitely wanted pasta after watching it. In fact, we had pasta. Oh my gosh! So <laughs> pasta with pesto. Oh, and and then it, it's 
true. I mean, Pixar, I've been up there many times. I've gone to free press days, and they show us these photos. And the commitment is, is impressive. I mean, for, mm-hmm. for Frozen, they went to Norway for a month. You know, for, for this one, they went to right. Italy for a month. And and they don't just take like the director. They take the artist. They take that. They take and it's like a hundred people go and they just sit there and they draw and they feel and they talk and that authenticity. I said that right. Mm-hmm. Comes through. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, it it could be like a travel brochure. I mean, not only did I want pasta after eating this, but I wanted to go to the Italian Riviera. I mean, they <laughs> just right? capture the sentiment and. I gotta, I gotta really give it up. They, they gave the director's chair to Enrico Casarosa, and why we might know his name is because he directed the short Luna, about uh, oh. an Italian father and son who are putting the stars up in the sky and working with the moon. Right. And you can, you can, you can feel. It's almost like the little girl's father is like the father in that short. He's so very close. He's got that yes. thick mustache. He doesn't say much. But when he does say something, it's piercing and, and important. Um, yeah, they, they go the extra mile, and it really shows. I mean, on one hand, they have people working on the story, you know, and they bring in directors from other movies to come in and, and, and offer suggestions. And then they go to where they're placing this movie. Where and they go. It's just right. you, you can't get any more authentic than a Pixar movie, and definitely in the last 10, 12 years. Yeah. Absolutely. I didn't realize that the director was the same one who did Luna. I love that short. It's such a yeah. it's just a beautiful, beautiful it's short. Adorable. Um so that makes sense. That makes sense then. Yeah, I just uh I did. I was very, you know, involved in, and I, I feel like this would just be a great you're right, it's probably it would have been great if it could have been open in theaters, but I think, you know, I that's why I was saying at the beginning that I feel like this one kind of fell through the cracks a little bit. Um mm. And they committed to just doing Disney Plus, but uh, certainly everyone in their in their mother has giant TVs now. So hopefully you have a giant TV. <laughs> Absolutely, push this one up there, and you know, gather the kids around because everyone's going to really enjoy it. I mean, I would give this four and a half stars. How about you? I'd go four and three quarters, and I'd also warn everybody: <laughs> have pasta at the ready. Yeah. Yes, any kind of pasta, you know, just, yeah. Anything. Because it's just, yeah, there's, it's just uh, there's a contest in the movie, and I'm not giving anything away, but one of the categories is, is eating pasta. So, I mean, you got, you got your ziti, you got your linguine, you got your fettuccine. I mean, it's just all there. And I'm like, you're killing me, Disney. You're killing me. Uh, also, I wanted seafood. <laughs> I wanted seafood pasta. I just, this this really made me hungry. This one definitely is. I love, you know what? In every Italian movie where they where they highlight food in Italy, I'm always it yeah. always makes me hungry. I love the line like eat, that the little girl's father says um, when they're like they they ask him what he does and he's like I kill anything that swims. <laughs> and they're like their faces. Of course, yes, you know the whole part about kind of like part splash part uh you know yep. uh, that all of those kinds of things are onward you know how i found a little onward in there as well and um but yeah there's there's just a lot a lot to to take in and a lot to enjoy 
with this one. So, should definitely check that one out. Okay, so moving on, we're going to talk about fatherhood. Oh, yeah. Which, uh, what? Yeah. Right? I said, oh, Father, yeah. yeah. Father, <laughs> I really like this. Um, here, hold on. I get to bring it up. It's streaming on Netflix. It's a Kevin Hart sort of dramedy. Uh, he plays a, 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 a young, a, a father who has to bring up his, his baby girl after his uh, wife dies uh, after childbirth. And then everyone uh, who doesn't believe in him, you know, that he could do this because he's always been kind of a child himself, that kind of thing. Uh, like I said, Kevin Hart plays the lead character. We also have, it's a great cast. Uh, we have, um, you know, it's so funny just in, on IMDb. They sometimes mm. do. You, do you notice this sometimes where they have the the cast list like all screwy, like you know, not not the top people at the top, and then they're kind of I don't know. Anyway, that's what this one's. The little girl's played by uh, with a little girl as a four or five year old. She's played by uh, Paul Alexander Desiree. Oh no, I'm sorry, totally wrong. Where is she? <laughs> wow, it's like all the way down here. Okay, anyway. Kevin Hart, for sure. Lil, Lil Ray uh, Howery, for sure. Uh, Anthony Kerrigan, yes. Alfred, Alfred Woodward, Woodard, yes. Um, just a really good cast. Uh, what's, Paul Reiser, right. Paul Reiser. What's the little girl's name? Plays the little girl. She was great. Can't see it here. This is just so dumb. Dumb. Dumb, I tell you. Anyway, yeah. I'll let you throw us off. What did you think of fatherhood? Uh, hi, uh, this is another one I just absolutely yeah. love. I mean, I, I just, this really hit home being a father, but you don't have to be a father. I mean, you just have to be a parent. You have to, you know, be a kid of a parent, which is pretty much everybody. So, I mean, there is so much to like about this. Um, I was impressed. Uh, Paul White's directed it, and he did About a Boy. Paul White. And, and yes. Paul White, sorry. And and I just I, I thought it had just like this pitch perfect feel to it. I mean, you wanted to laugh because it's Kevin Hart, but like right off the bat, something very serious happens, and it's. I mean, he has his funny moments like throwing uh, a dirty diaper into the diaper holder like it's a basketball and the thing explodes. Okay, that's funny. But it's also frustrating because he's a new father and he's just like, oh, one more thing happens to me. I'm going to lose it. Um, and I just, I thought he did a great job of, of the dramatic muscles that required uh, him of this role. I thought he was outstanding and he carried this movie and you really felt like he was drowning at the beginning. And it was like, we mm-hmm. were learning with him as the time went by. And what's even better is it's not easy to work with kids. And he's not like Mr. Thespian. He's, he's Kevin Hart. But the relationship right. that he had with Maddie, his daughter, is just so touching. It's so real. Um, it made me cheer up a couple times. Um, it, it is just something else. There's lessons in there. I mean, he's got this job where he's, you know, he could be promoted. He he's successful, but like he's got to think about his family. Uh, Alfre Woodard, I thought she was amazing. She plays his mother-in-law, who firmly believes that he can't do it. And the their relationship, how that develops over two hours, was pitch perfect. Mm -hmm. I just adored it. And I just and the guys who played his friends. Um, I yeah. love the guy from Barry. 
the guy from Barry, just he, he's just one of the most unique actors there is out there. And I just hope they find more parts where he can fit right in. And little Ren was really good. He had a couple of moments where he, as friends should do, spoke truth to Kevin Hart's character. Mm-hmm. And, and I think he really helped. And I just, I don't know. I, I could go on and on and on about this movie. I, I knew I'd like it from the trailer because of its subject matter, being a dad of a little girl. But just, it's so much more than a movie about that. I mean, it's 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 a triumph of, of the human spirit to, to carry on when it doesn't seem like you can. Yeah, too, actually. Um, Kevin Hart mm. really impressed me. I mean, I think we it's talked bright. about that dramatic, yeah, that sort of dramatic term he did with uh, Brian Cranston. I can't remember the name of that movie. Uh I don't remember it, but where he's like the caregiver for Brian Cranston, who's in a wheelchair. Oh, the remake anyway, of the French they, movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I think I remember when we talked about it, you and I we were both like, "Hey, you know, Kevin Hart has some dramatic chops there." There you go. Yep, had some, had some, uh, had some chops, and he definitely shows them in this. I mean, it's a little heartbreaking at first uh, watching him, you know, yeah. and and. <laughs> And yeah, you do want to laugh, and there's, you know, Kevin gets to do a little bit of Kevin some here and there, you know, like when he goes, which is in the trailer, but he goes into the woman, you know, the mommy group, and he's like, yeah. I need help. <laughs> Please tell me what to, what to do. She you won't know, stop crying. What, or the poop thing. She has this kind, she does yeah. the one kind of poop, and that's okay, but then she just like, <laughs> cracks me up. And of course, oh, all of the interactions he has with his two friends, you know, um, especially little 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 Rel, um, he, uh, you know, it's just it's funny, it's funny, and they're they're there to provide some comedy because it's kind of a you know bittersweet story. Um, but uh, I agree with you with uh, Alfred and uh, and Kevin's characters how they evolve through this, and and you know you feel hurt. You know, you feel her as a mother as well, her pain and whatnot for her daughter. And right. just, uh, it's, it's just a really touching movie, and there's not a whole lot to it, you know. That's why, it's, it's just, and then when I saw the director, after I watched it, I didn't know who had directed it before I watched it. And then I saw the director, and I went, oh, of course. Because about the boy is very much like that, you know. There's not a whole lot that goes mm-hmm. on in that movie. There's nothing, you know, too complicated, but it's such a good you know, just a solid story about about family and whatnot, and that's what this one is too. And it's just, I, I'm, I'm like, like I said though, I think I'm most impressed with Kevin Hart, um, just because you know you can kind of see how he is as a dad. And yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that that Melody Heard is, is who plays Ma- Maddie. She's right. a little firecracker. She's super smart. She <laughs> plays it real. She plays it raw. And and I love, I mean, this is what I love about this movie is they pack so much into it, but nothing suffers. Like, it's been five right. years, and he, and he goes out on a date. And, like, they explore that avenue of being a single parent and how the kid will react. Right. And I thought that was pitch perfect, too, just how they handled that whole thing. Very realistic. And, and yeah. I, I just, somebody... I think it's the director, the screenwriter, and everybody in the cast. They just, they knew exactly the movie they were making. They went out and made it, and it is just a true gift. Yeah. And I think this might have been 
Kevin Hart's first movie he made after his horrible car accident. Um, yeah. So, you know, pretty amazing what he did. He's, he's I don't know, if anyone follows him on social media, he's, he's freaking yeah. hilarious. Um, I used to, I used to, God, what was he, he used, he used to be on, was it Snapchat that I was, or was it Instagram? I can't remember one of the ones he would always be posting, but now he's back on the TikTok, and he's just funny. He's funny, but he is one of the most determined individuals. He's he's like The Rock in a lot of respects. I know they're both friends, yeah. but, uh, you know, he's just, he's he's very, very determined and ambitious in his in his life and ambitious is I always feel like that's kind of the wrong word because it's sort of a negative word he's he's he is uh focused that's a better word <laughs> and he's he, he's Very um an ex- he's an executive producer on this so I mean he yeah he he did more than just star in it I mean he shepherded the thing yeah and he's got he's got his fingers in all kinds of things that he's doing, and he's just uh, he's just kind of a little powerhouse to me. And I, I, I again, he's another one that I pretty much like anything he does. You know, I, I just mm-hmm. he makes me laugh too. Just the way, like, like I said, just a little moment of Kevin because he really does play a character in this. He's not just doing himself. You know, he he is playing this man, the single father. Um, but there are there are those Kevin moments, and uh, you know you embrace them when they happen because it's just so funny. But uh, yeah, very enjoyable. I mean, again, I think I give this four and a half. How about you? I go a little bit higher, four and three quarters. Uh, um, okay, I'm going to do four and three quarters. <laughs> he's even funny when he's yelling at me. I remember visiting uh, Warner Brothers and I had to see a screening and I went in the wrong one. And when I realized it was the wrong one and I had interviewed him like six times in eight months, I got up to leave and in front of the whole theater, he's yelling, Joel, where are you going? <laughs> I mean, he just, he is <laughs> who he is. And I'm like, I got, I'm in the wrong room. He's like, well, you stay for my movie. I'm like, I can't, I have a junket, you know? Um, so yeah, Aww. he's, 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 I love that guy. I just love that guy. Yeah. I've never got to interview him, so I'm not as lucky as you, but hopefully someday, maybe. I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Probably not. Anyway, okay, so uh, we've got last, the last two films we're going to talk about are documentaries. Um, actually, it's, you know, I feel like, I don't know about you, but I feel like documentaries are just, like, on fire in the last few years. Yeah. Do you feel that way? Yeah, it's, is- it's been on it's unreal. It's and 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 people's interest in documentaries have grown exponentially. I mean, I talk with friends all the time, and we always talk about movies, but I mean, rarely documentaries. But I mean, now right. it's probably twenty, thirty percent of our conversations about movies are about, oh, you guys see this documentary? Did you see this documentary? And it's just, you know, people like the non uh, the the nonfiction aspect of it, and real people doing real things, and. Uh, yeah, it's 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 a it's a golden age of documentaries. That's for sure. I think I you know what I have to credit the streaming, especially Netflix. I feel like yeah. that's probably why I, they they just you know that is just a constant stream of content on that on that platform, and you know from the true crime stuff, which I love, 
to the, you know, to the absurd, like Tiger King. I mean, all of that. They're just, they've really spearheaded and, and elevated this this format for sure. And it makes it easier for people to watch stuff too, you know, a lot of times. But, mm-hmm. um, but some of them are still just only on in the big screen. Like these two, I think, are only... Yeah. Only on the on, in theaters right now, but um, so the first one we watched was uh, it's it's about Rita Marino. Um, it's called Rita Marino, just a girl who decided to go for it, and it was a really very very fascinating look at this actress who kind of um, you know from her humble beginnings in Puerto Rico to her success in Broadway and, and in Hollywood and sort of how she spearheaded the whole you know like. They had all these uh, great actresses who talked about how, you know, like Gloria, well, actresses, singers, performers, Gloria Estevan, even Lagora, Longoria, you know, all these, these women who, you know, idolized Rita. She was sort of the, the, the you know, the one woman in, who kind of made it as a Latina and, uh, you know, still to this day is very outspoken. She's 87 years old. She looks fantastic. Um, yeah. I mean, she was just, She's just a spitfire. And I know she's in a bit of hot water right now because of defending, I don't know, something about in the heights and colorism. I don't know. Did you read about that? Yes. Sorry, I I just have an opinion about that, but I won't share it here. (laughs) Well, anyway, she just, she kind of said it's hard to, you can't please everybody was basically what she said. And then she had to backtrack that, I guess. Isn't that right? Is that something how, that's what happened? It's like people were complaining there wasn't enough you know, varying, you know, Latina, Latino type, you know, this culture can, you know, be very, uh, it expands a lot. And, and they were complaining about in the Heights, not, you know, expanding more basically. And Rita Marino yeah, came yeah, but, out cause she's very good friends. Right. Is that my right? Yeah. Yeah. It just, it was more about Afro Latinos. Like there wasn't ah. enough darker Latinos in the movie and, Having been around the heights, I mean, it's. They, I don't think they could have captured it better, but that's yeah. that's a different show. Gotcha, I gotcha. Okay, anyway, so but Lynn Manuel is uh, Miranda's in this documentary as well, speaking about Rita because they're they're friends, and um, I was just fascinated by it. You know, I mean, I knew I knew a bit about her or her background, um, and I knew she had, took a lot of those early parts that she. In Hollywood, where she, you know, she was always the island girl or the, you know, the the exotic girl or whatever, and I could see her frustrations. I mean, you know, but the thing I didn't really know about, and and I'm sure, uh, you know, people did know about this, but I don't think I really knew about it was her relationship with Marlon Brando. <laughs> I had uh, no idea. Yeah. I had Seven no years. idea. Wow. And they did yeah. a movie together after they had split, and it's pre- looked pretty powerful. Um, but of course, you know they they talked all about. She talked all about being Anita and how she really, really, really liked. I liked I liked how she talked about Anita from West Side Story. How, you know, she really liked this woman. She thought this woman was, you know, just uh, an inspiration even to her. You know. To, to stand mm-hmm. up for herself, to speak her mind, to, you know, make her point uh, and not be afraid to do that. And I thought that was kind of, I thought that was fascinating. And, of course, she's playing, 
in the new West Side Story, she is directed by Steven Spielberg. She's playing, I think, the Doc character. I think that's mm-hmm. what I can get from from the trailers. But uh, she's like, and she's at the end of it, she's like, it's come full circle. Is that crazy, she says? But, uh, yeah, I was fascinated by this. How about you? Yeah, no, I loved it. I, I mean, and I grew up in a house where Rita Monero was up there with, with everybody. I mean, my mother treasured really? everything she did, the trailblazingness. I mean, I, and the thing is, is, is you could be the hugest fan of someone. And that's just a, another great thing about documentaries is you learn so much more. I mean, you, you yeah. think you know everything about one of your favorite performers, and then you see a movie like this, and you're like, I didn't know she dated Marlon Brando on uh, for seven years. <laughs> the other thing that I found shocking, hmm. she won the Oscar for West Side Story. And wasn't offered another part in a Hollywood movie for seven years. Yeah. I know. And I, I know. think a lot of people that's probably not surprising given the way things were and probably how things are a little bit still. But I loved how they painted the picture of her as it wasn't necessarily a negative thing. I mean, it spoke for itself as being negative. But she turned it into the electric company, Appearances on Sesame Street, where she won an Emmy. She did variety shows like Sonny and Cher. I mean, she, she was working. I mean, she wasn't making yep. movies, but she was working. And that determination, I think, is very, very inspirational to uh, Latin people all over the world and other people of color. Because she... If one person said no, she would knock on the next door. And it was just not a lot of people did that. Not a lot of people would be able to do that, period, regardless of your color. You get one rejection, yeah. and I'm like, tail under my legs, ready to go home. <laughs> it's just, okay, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. But, like, that was, she didn't that stop. was really – she did not stop. And she doesn't stop to this day. I mean, she's on – Nope. Uh, it just got canceled, but she's on the update of uh, One Day at a Time on Netflix. She plays the... Did the it finally get sexy... canceled on Netflix? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it did. Um, but it, I think it ran yeah. for about three, four seasons. But she played kind of the sexy grandma, and, like, she's still working. And what I love is one of my favorite parts of the movie is when it's just her in her home looking in the camera and talking. I mean, she mm-hmm. talks about being raped. She talks about... I know. Issues that we hear about in Me Too. I mean, and again, yet she persisted. And I just, yep. I, I thought, I appreciated Rita Bonero before. I mean, she moved up, if that was even possible, after experiencing this I movie. know. I know. She was, and I, you know, I, 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 Every time I think about it, I go, oh, yeah, that's right. But Electric Company was one of my favorite shows when yeah. I was a kid. Me too. Uh, and I just forgot that she was, like, so funny on it. And she and uh, Morgan Freeman were together. And he, yep. he, was, on, he was in this as well, his, his reminiscence about working with her as well. And her daughter, you know, the, the daughter was very I, – I liked her too. She's just, you know, she's kind of like her mom and that they were really close. And that's – I don't know. It was just a very – touching and inspirational and just fascinating look at this woman who's already just such a great woman and you know she she will be revered and she's one of the only people who has an egot you know she has all four of them uh tony uh, grammy and oscar and emmy yep yep and i think uh, a couple of lifetime awards and 
and she got uh, a couple of Presidential Medals of Freedom from Barack yep. Obama and George W. Bush. I mean, yeah. she's so good, they gave her the award twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's, she is, you know, certainly a woman, not not just a woman of color or, you know, of, of Latin background or whatnot, just, a, just an inspirational yeah. person, period, yeah. just hands down. Period. I mean, I, this one, I, there's nothing about it. I mean, five stars for me on this. You? <laughs> five. No question, five. This, yeah. And it's very a straightforward documentary. I mean, it it, it yeah. just kind of feels like a conversation. And you're used to documentaries being kind of like sweeping and, oh, my goodness, I can't believe that. Um, but this is very straightforward. And, and I think that it would be a crime if it wasn't nominated for Best Documentary. And I know we're very, yeah, very, I hope very it is. early. But I, I hope yeah, this I hope one's got legs. Yeah, see, that's the thing about documentaries, which is fascinating, too, is that um, sometimes, just depending on the subject matter or, or the director, uh, you know, they can be kind of artsy and they're, you know, unique looking or they, you know, mm-hmm. do different things mm-hmm. with the camera. And, you know, they make a, a movie, basically, but even though it's about a, it's a nonfiction. They didn't have to with this. They don't no. have to. They literally just have to point the camera at Rita Moreno and just let her go. Just let her talk. Let her tell mm-hmm. her story. There's no need and to do anything her, fancy with this one. And let her friends, colleagues, and appreciators yep. also add their two cents, and you have got a complete picture. Yep. And just watching her past performances and, yeah, all of it. Oh. There's there's no need to go beyond, you know, they, they didn't have to get all fancy with this. This was just a good, good you know great character or not character study. It's just a great, you know, inspirational film about a great, great woman. So anyway. All right. So the last one we're going to talk about, which I didn't see, but you have, I've never heard of these two people before. I'm sure you have, because you're a music guy. Um, it's called the Spark Brothers. Uh, it's directed by Edgar Wright. So clearly he's been influenced by them. And um, <clears throat> it's a musical, it's, it's a musical odyssey through five weird and wonderful decades with Ron and Russell Mayel celebrating the inspirational legacy of Sparks. Um, Actually, you know what? Let me just read something really quick because they gave a a really kind of a great little uh, opening that I posted on uh, with the the trailer about it. Uh, Hold on. Come on. Where are you? Where are you? Here we go. It says... uh, how can one rock band be successful, underrated, underrated, hugely in, influential, and criminally overlooked all at the same time? <laughs> so if that's that's something uh, interesting, and I guess all of these people who have been in, influenced by these two uh, are making an appearance in it. So tell us, how yeah. was the Sparks Brothers? Um, we were just we were just going over about documentaries and how they they reflect. Um, my favorite are, are, are documentaries where the director lets the story create the tone, not the director mm-hmm. making a movie. And Edgar Wright right. knew enough about these guys. It's weird. It is weird. These guys are a little weird. Catchiest damn songs. And I will admit, I had never heard of them. And I consider myself a musical connoisseur. I have been DJing since I was 15 years old. And I have never once heard of Sparks. 
But after watching really? this movie, I hear their music and so much of the music that I like. So clearly, the musicians that I enjoy listen to them. Clearly, Edgar Wright listens to them. They have 25 mm-hmm. albums, 500 songs. And what? they start they were they started in the late 60s and as as all the bands in the 60s did, they looked the 60s part, they sounded like a 60s band. They never went disco in the 70s, but they kind of went punk rock and then punk rock got big. Then in 1979, they hooked up with Giorgio Moroder, who was Donna Summer's big producer, and made, which Mm -hmm. is largely considered the first electronic album. It was all synthesizer, and it was called Number One in Heaven, Uh. and it was probably their biggest hit. But if you think about it, if you listen to that song, it sounds like New Order, The Cure, uh, all these bands like that heard that song and went to work. And... I, I, this is one of those docs where I never knew about them before, and I am ashamed of that fact, and I will admit <laughs> it on the air. But I was just impressed. I, I, everyone knows I love Edgar Wright. He could do no wrong with me. Yeah. Baby Driver is in my top ten of all time. But I was really surprised the touch he had with the documentary. He let the subjects do the talking. And, I mean, he had everyone from Steve Jones from the Sex Pistols. I mean, the Sex Pistols were influenced by Sparks? <laughs> like that? Like, I, what? Um, Beck, of course, is on there. Jane Wielden from the Go-Go's. She dated the lead singer. And, and, like, you can hear a bit of the Go-Go's and what they do. And it's just, like, it, it just blew my mind. It just blew my mind. Please. Mike Myers is in it. Weird Al Yankovic, of course, because he's a little weird, does his own thing. But the thing is, Weird Al does it for laughs. These guys are serious. So, you know, when they're singing about we're number one in heaven, I mean, they're dead serious. That's, they, they believe that they're the number one band in heaven, even though they're still here on earth. Um, they're a little strange. They're American, but everybody thinks they're English because it wasn't really going well for them here. So they moved to England and then they got huge. Uh, all over Europe, um, and then they come back to the States, and they they show concert footage with thousands of people in the audience. And I'm like, how have I not heard of these people? <laughs> <laughs> and so it's the most uniquest of music documentaries that you can see, but it is purely those two brothers. And what is so crazy is for the longest time, The lead singer was the pretty boy. He dated everybody. Everybody thought he was so cute and gorgeous. And then his brother had like this stone-faced jaw. He never smiled, and he had a Hitler mustache. (laughs) (laughs) Huh. I mean, what do you still like? That almost (laughs) is all you need to know. Um, Wow. they, you know, they're, they talk about their mom being very supportive. I do not believe they would be where they are right now if their mom was not driving them everywhere as musicians, as kids. And, and to look back at 50 years at what they did, it, it's, it's astonishing. It is it's another astonishing documentary. I love when documentaries show you stuff that, that is all new to you. Um, I, I mean, I literally just sat there when it was over and stared 
out the window, like just processing it all because it's just mind blowing the influence these guys have had. Yet I have never heard of them. So would would we recognize any of their songs? No. Like, was there a song you didn't? Oh, okay. Okay. No. Interesting. No, I mean, Very number one in heaven is. I mean, I would seek that song out. That is Giorgio Moroder um, at his finest. And, and, and to huh. hear how he hooked up with them, they just decided one day they wanted to work with him after hearing Donna Summer. I'm like, these are the guys who influenced the Sex Pistols, and they're calling the guy <laughs> who made Donna Summer what she is to work on their next album. And then it ends up being their biggest album. Wow. <laughs> it's just, wow. It's, it's, wow. It just, well, I'm going to have to watch this because this sounds yeah. fascinating. <laughs> And that's the thing is like, it's another type of documentary. Usually you watch a documentary on Pearl Jam. You better love Pearl Jam. Cameron Crowe right. documentary 10 that came out a few years ago. If you don't like Pearl Jam, you're not going to like that movie. The thing about the Sparks Brothers is you don't have to like their music to like this documentary. Oh, okay. Huh. All right. Well, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm intrigued. <laughs> I would give what it four and a half. What rating would you give this one? Four and a half, okay. Four and a half, yeah. Okay, cool. So this one's just in theaters too, right, at this point? Yeah, but I also think, like, Rita, give it a few weeks. I wouldn't be surprised if it's streaming somewhere. Yeah, I bet bet either one or both of these will go on Prime. Prime seems to be a good place for that kind of stuff, or maybe Netflix. No, Netflix usually does their own deal, but anyway. Okay, well, thanks, Joel. (laughs) was a good show. Lots of good stuff, guys. Yes. I mean, Hitman's wife's bodyguard is the silly action thing that, you know, you may want to may want to give a pass on. But everything else is really, really good and, and streaming. So if you don't have a chance to get to the theaters, you can you can at least see Luca and Fatherhood. And then the, the documentaries, like we said, will probably be streaming pretty soon. So definitely check that out. Uh, again, Joel, thanks. And uh, you can read all of Joel's reviews and whatnot on his website, themoviemensch.com. Uh, so join us next week. I think next week's F9, which is the, yep. big, the big one coming out next week. Um, probably some others, too, that I don't know off the top of my head, but we'll probably add to that. But join us next week as well. And everyone have a great weekend. Take care. Bye.